Welcome to Three Books, an Ela Area Public Library podcast. I'm Kristen Weiser. And I'm Becca Boland. And we are so glad to talk with Brenda today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Brenda Gornick, and I work here at the Ela Library among some very wonderful co-workers. I'm very pleased to be here. I love books. I'm an avid reader. I've worked at the library for the past 10 years now. I started in children's as a page, which basically meant I put books on the shelves and I picked up after the kids once they were done playing with all the toys. But it was a lot of fun interacting with the children, helping them pick books occasionally. And then in the last five years, I've moved back to tech services where I get to see all the new items coming in and labeling them and getting them out to people who have holds on them. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And um, you told me as we were walking in today that you actually got your LTA, is that correct? Yes. So what is an LTA? It's, um, you can either get a certificate or a degree, and it's library technical assistant, and it's an undergrad degree, and... It was something that had bothered me for a long time that I didn't go and get my degree right out of high school. I kind of puts it around a little bit, and I met my husband at the community college, and then I dropped out. So I had all these credits, and I thought, why not put them to good use? Mm -hmm. And so I went back to College of Lake County, and they have a degree program there. And I pursued it, and I went after work and part-time, and... I'm very happy to have gotten it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And when when was that? That was in um, 2015. Okay, Mm -hmm. so pretty recently. Mm -hmm. Wow, awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. That's very exciting. Um, And so obviously we have Brenda here because she is a staff member here at the Ela Area Public Library, and we like to highlight our staff members here, as well mm-hmm. as um, readers in the world. <laughs> um, these are readers in our world, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and so we are so excited to talk to Brenda because she is probably, you've heard us mention her. She was um, one of the people that contributed to our November holiday suggestion mm-hmm. list. Um, and so now she's in here to talk about the books herself. So, of course, we start um, this podcast with its namesake um, and talking about your three books. So mm-hmm. please um, talk about, if you want to talk about how you came to them, that's mm-hmm. fine too. Or if you just want to jump right in and talk about the books, that's great too. Well, it wasn't easy picking three books. Um, I, like I said, I'm an avid reader. I adore books. I just, that's what I do in my spare time. If I'm not reading, I'm probably writing um, and taking care of my three kids. But I wanted something, um, not necessarily my favorite three books, but rather books um, that you hadn't talked about on the podcast before. And um, these three titles surprised me in some way, and I thought they'd be an interesting three to talk about. Great. Fantastic. So let's start with the first one. What was the first one that you that came to mind? Well, the you? first one um, that came to mind uh, was Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson. Um, sadly, I had never heard of her before. I heard of the title, and I like the summary and the premise of the book. It's a multi-generational story uh, surrounding women in this small town where um, there's some elements, not quite magical realism, but it's um, very atmospheric and, and lyrical. And then later, of course, I found out she's a 
Pulitzer Prize winning author and highly respected yeah. um, and very intelligent woman. So I admire her greatly. And I'm very pleased that I came across her first novel and I just enjoyed it very much. So you said it's multi-generational. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a fantastical element to it. Was there anything else that, that struck you? I mean, obviously the writing really spoke to you because you said you were not surprised necessarily to find out that she was a Pulitzer Prize winner. But I was so impressed with the word choice. Um, it just, I generally, um, I read very widely all different genres. Um, Lately, I've been reading more um, literary style of books, and I was just so impressed. It was almost like the book itself was reading as poetry, Mm. and it just drew me in and almost lulled me into like a dreamlike state. And I I just love that. I I was so surprised to read a book that was a novel. It had a story to tell. But it worked like poetry. Wow. How many generations does it span? I believe it's um, three generations of women in a small town in Fingerbone, Idaho. And it centers around um, family relations. And the main character's grandfather had died in a terrible train accident that the train wreckage is at the bottom of the lake. And so it's... There's like a haunted feel mm. to these characters who are then affected by this tragic accident. Yeah. Wow. Are you familiar with that book? Have you read it? No. I haven't either, but it sounds great. Yeah. I know she's more well known for um, Gilead, I believe is right. the title, mm-hmm. and that's on my to-read list for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she does have a, and that Gilead I've read, and she does have a way of writing that, like you said, it's lyrical, and it's one of those... You know, I we read so much that a lot of times it's until you get to an author like her, you don't realize that there's like there's a way to write prose that makes you forget you're reading prose, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it does it, it. I don't know. There's a pleasure to it that um, just by the mechanics of how they put a sentence together that changes the reading experience. And she's one of those authors that I would put in that category of. Absolutely, yeah. It's it it is like going into a dream. I know uh, David Lynch has said that going to see a film is like falling asleep and watching a dream. And it's amazing that that some books can do that. They mm-hmm. they really do, and they're comforting. And the lyricism of the word choice is is astonishing. Yeah, wow. great. Well, you sold me. All right. So, what's the next one? <laughs> Um, well, again, I'm, I try to read wide, widely, and uh, the next book I picked uh, is a lot of fun. It's kind of wild. It's called The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wao by Juno Diaz, and um, he's a Dominican Republic writer, and the story uh, centers around Oscar de Leon, a boy who's an immigrant and growing up in New Jersey, and again, this book has definite magical realism yeah. aspects, which are so much fun. I, I love magical realism. Mm-hmm. Um, it is my preferred mm-hmm. kind of fantasy. If I want to read it, I want it to be based in reality. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the magic is just taken for granted. Like, oh, there's yeah, a there it is. Okay, okay, Grandpa, you know, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. they're just there. Um, but 
there's a lot of fun sci-fi references yeah. because he's a big sci-fi geek. Doesn't he want to be the next J.R.R. Tolkien? Yeah, he's Which, he's just yeah. so alive, this character, this boy. And we kind of watch him do sort of like coming of age. Mm-hmm. But it also flashes back to his um, mother and her story okay. growing up in the mm-hmm. Dominican Republic um, under the dictatorship. And she's an orphan. And again, it's it's just fascinating. So again, it's it's like the multi generational, mm-hmm. um, but there's also a family curse yeah. that he's mm-hmm. trying to avoid being part of. And the ending is very astonishing. I I, I love the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little bit of a tearjerker. There's a lot of emotions going on in this book, but it remains fun. And fascinating, and it was really nice to read um, from someone's experiences so different from my own. Yeah, it really does broaden your world, and I was so pleased to read this book. And of course, he went on to win a Pulitzer. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm sure, sure all of your books <laughs> yeah. so far. We have magical realism, yeah. uh, Pulitzer Prize winners, mm-hmm. yes. and multi generational. Yeah. Yes. All right, on like an overhanging either sort of like a curse, like literally a curse, yes. or just like sort of a haunting. family mm-hmm. background that is just kind of hanging literally still in the lake. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, again, th- this book surprised me because it it's fun, but it's serious. And mm-hmm. it just cuts that line so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, the characters just jump off the page and they're so alive and you feel like you know them when you're done reading yeah. this book. Yeah. That's really satisfying. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, so number three. Okay, number three is Biting the Sun by Tanith Lee. Kind of an oddball choice. Um, it's out there. It's uh, one of those utopian, dystopia type of future set books where um, the premise is basically in this world, you can have anything you want. You can do anything you want. And the teenagers are actually expected to just be as wild as possible. And they are watched over, the society in general is watched over by um, benevolent AI. And the boredom that begins to grow and manifest creates a society where the only pleasure you really could derive is by killing yourself. And the characters Hmm. can kill themselves over and over and over because they're brought back again and again and again hmm. and they're um they can be different sexes different races they just keep coming back and so you can imagine it's a wild premise yeah. and it leads to some very interesting searching for what the meaning of happiness is okay and um in a world where literally anything goes like anything taboo that you can imagine is mundane where do you find meaning? Where do you find joy? And so our main character, who does not have a name, um, sort of rebels. And there's an environmental message in it, which I really liked. And it was just so unusual and different, and yet very similar in the vein of like a brave new world. Mm-hmm. And I felt that Tanith Lee, writing Biting the Sun in 1976, it came out in two um, shorter, smaller novels and then has been condensed in one. 
just didn't get the recognition that I think she deserves Mm -hmm. because it's right on that same level as Brave New World, certainly. Yeah. So So did you read that when it first came out, or have you read it recently? Oh, no. I was only, like, two. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But, yeah, yeah. um, I... I can't remember how I found it, probably because I I really love 1984 and Brave New World and um, The Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for more, and I came across this author and this story, and I thought, wow, I never heard of this book before. Everyone's heard of Brave New World. And it was so good. The world building was amazing. The message was very powerful. Mm -hmm. And I feel that she deserves the recognition you know, be of being ahead of her time. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so that was... Have you read anything else? I know that she's written um, many short stories. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I have a collection on my bookcase <laughs> that I haven't gotten to, that, my yes. to-be-read pile. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but, no, it was, it was very good, and I'm, I'm very glad I read it. Awesome. Yeah. Do you think that the lack of recognition has to do with the fact that she's a woman writer absolutely. tapping into that genre? I'm not going to get around here. (laughs) It it absolutely is. Um, Because I'm very familiar with Brave New World. Um, I've read that several times. And this book has very similar themes and was just as ahead of its time, I would say, Mm -hmm. I would argue. And um, it deserves recognition. Yeah. And it... You know, looking at the premise of it, it seems so different from a lot of dystopian novels that you read in that any, that anything goes. It's mm-hmm. usually not the case mm-hmm. in most dystopian societies. Mm-hmm. Usually it's very rigid, and they're trying to break out of this very prescribed reality where they have a sect or they have a class or a, a town. They can't leave. They have to operate in a certain way you know it's very restricted and so mm-hmm. for this to kind of take it from the total opposite mm-hmm. it truly is it's very utopia. interesting and it, it begs the question when you can have anything you want and everything you want when it's at your fingertips does it bring you happiness does it bring meaning and this character is in search of that somehow um i i don't recall but something she experiences sort of wakes her up Mm-hmm. And I, I say her at the time, but she spends a great deal of time in the book as a male. Yeah. And it's just, it's a lot of fun and, and fascinating and um, just kind of out there. Yeah. So for all three of these books, it seems like you've got younger people who are, maybe you could call it coming of age or they're the cusp of a decision or mm-hmm. trying to search for things. Do you find that that kind of story and those kinds of characters appeal to you? Sure. I think um, there's something inside all of us, and it, it sort of goes back to why do we read in general? We're looking for something all of us are inside, and sometimes it's clearer for some people than others. But what we're really looking for, I think, is connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and stories like this and other books give us a little piece of that. And it's comforting, and it makes you feel less alone. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's clear that you read widely, Mm -hmm. um, and it's clear that, um, you know, you find connection in in the books that you read. Are you a rereader? I 
my well, my to be red list continues to grow daily, exponentially. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem of, yeah. of processing every book that comes into the library, right? And I, I live with the fear of knowing there's there's a limited amount of books that I will get to read in my lifespan, yeah. and so I'm driven by that. Um, and the the desire to read um, these amazing classics that I poo pooed back in high school. Um, in lieu of reading my genre books back then, you know, the epic fantasies and the sci-fi books. And now I just want to read everything. So it's, um, it's rare when I reread, though there have been a few books, um, recently Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. I would definitely revisit The God of Small Things. And I can't remember the name of the author right now, but that book, as soon as I finished it, I thought, oh my gosh, I need to reread this. Mm -hmm. And again, that was another one that was extremely poetic. I've read Gone with the Wind several times when I was younger. Um, Wuthering Heights is my favorite Mm -hmm. book, and I've reread that several times. Um, Most recently, my oldest son read that because he knew that was my favorite book, and he wanted to check it out. Um, So I risked I almost reread that, but again, my two we read pile called to me. Yeah. Um, so not as often as I probably used to. So you um, referenced your son, and and you referenced that you have have three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, part of why I was really excited to have you um, come in and speak with us is um, just a little bit of background. Um, Kristen does this really fun monthly group for all library staff, everybody is welcome, called Genre Study. Um, And basically everyone comes in. It's kind of like an informal library book club where everybody Mm -hmm. comes in and they talk about um, what they're reading and what they're excited about. And, um, you know, sometimes we talk about it in the context of a library, but sometimes we're just sharing because all of us, well, most of us like to talk about books and want to talk about the Mm -hmm. books that we're reading and we don't always have the time to do that in our work day. Um, and Brenda came to, to our last one um, and was talking about Infinite Jest um, and talking about the fact that she was reading it and her husband was reading it as yes. well, specifically because it spoke to your son so significantly mm-hmm. that you felt that it was important that you shared that with him. So can you talk a little bit about that book in particular and then kind of in general I just think that the approach that you have to reading with your kids as teenagers is so great and so fresh and um and so yeah just thank you yeah yeah I'd love to um my son my oldest son is 18 and um in probably in a million years I wouldn't have picked up this book because it has a very um challenging reputation Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure uh, based that's on approximately that. four thousand pages, <laughs> <laughs> oh, more or less. And then there's footnotes. <laughs> I was like, wow. But you know, he he had picked it up, and he, I think because he is a David Lynch fan, somebody he had spoken to said, "Oh, well, if you love David Lynch and kind of these open-ended stories, you really should read Infinite Jest." And he was. Uh, challenged by that and he decided to give it a go 
and he could not stop talking about it, but no spoilers, you know, yeah, so yeah, he was right. being tortured. <laughs> he wanted to speak with us about it, but we had no idea. So all he could basically say is, oh, it's so good. It's so good. You don't understand. I identify and all this stuff. So um, in the past, we've read books along with our kids and um, at his urging, myself and my husband picked up the book and we started reading. I recently finished. I'm very Yay. proud of myself. Congratulations. <laughs> my husband's almost done. Yeah. So um, there are many fevered, whispered conversations in other rooms. I have this earshot between my son and myself saying, you know, discussing the characters and the ending and reading with my kids. My daughter is 16 and my youngest is 12 creates a bridge that wouldn't exist had we not read a mm. book together. You can talk about school as much as they'll let you. <laughs> you know, how was your day? Fine. It's okay. <laughs> Whatever. But to have a book that they're excited about, it just opens up conversations mm. that lead not only about the book and the plot and the characters, but into real-world stuff. And, wow, what an easy way to broach drug addiction and suicide and other very touchy topics by speaking of these characters, Mm -hmm. these fictional characters and what the choices they've made and their character arcs and what they go through. It's a wonderful way to connect and talk about these very hard-to-talk-about subjects. Yeah. It's also, on the lighter end of things, a wonderful way to just have something in common, something to get excited about and talk about um, with your kids. And it's nice during a rough period where teenagers are known for not opening up at all to their parents to have my kids come to me and say, Oh, what page are you on? Oh, and can you believe when this one did that? And what do you think that meant? And we get into themes, and we we talk at length uh, yeah. about the characters and the plot and the stories. And then, more personally, sometimes it opens up things that maybe I wouldn't have shared with the kids about my own childhood Mm -hmm. and some of the things that I've gone through Mm -hmm. that relates to the characters and then I then speak to them about it. Wow. Sometimes it's easier to talk sideways, Mm -hmm. you know, through a vehicle like literature. Absolutely. Um, Even, you know, between families, but even just some of the things we talk about in book clubs or Mm -hmm. whatever, where you've got a bunch of diverse people coming together and talking and having something in common creates that kind of vehicle for a deeper understanding and conversation. It's like the ultimate icebreaker. Yeah. For difficult subjects. And, you know, when, when we first had Luke... Oh, I shouldn't say his name. <laughs> when we first had my son, um, you know, we were a mess. This parenting stuff is hard. And yeah. our day-to-day, like, my husband and I are very terrible with just doing anything consistently. So we were like, we need a bedtime routine. So we started picking two picture books and a snack, and we would read to our kids. And then that worked great. 
and it was the one thing we did night after night after night. And um, as they got older, what we did is we transitioned to chapter books. Mm-hmm. And the exciting thing at the time was who, you know, got to pick the bookmark. Mm-hmm. And we put the bookmark <laughs> in. And then we pick up the next night. And what a wonderful way to encourage comprehension because then it's something to look forward to. And then it's like, oh, do you remember where we left off? Mm-hmm. And we talk a little bit and then get to reading. Yeah. And so, you know, graduating from Go Dog Go and Henry and Mudge into things like Lightning Thief and Fable Haven onto things like Game of Thrones and Infinite Jest. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it will continue, and I think it will. Um, with my daughter in particular, uh, she's introduced me to manga. Yeah. I, I'm i a comic book fan, mm-hmm. and I happen to favor black and white uh, illustrations over color. And so manga has appealed to me. And again, what a great, fun way to experience another culture. And um, her favorites are Fruits Basket and Tsubasa. Um, and then from lighthearted to even more dark and serious, uh, the murder mystery monster by Urasawa, which was incredible. Um, Death Note was another one that we yeah. read, and then we watched the anime mm-hmm. together. And again, wow, what what things to talk about. If yeah. you had this power, what would you do? Right, you know, can yeah. you see how it corrupted this poor boy? Um, the unfairness of his situation and you know, growing sympathy for characters who maybe are unlikable. Mm-hmm. And then talking about that. How do you feel about that? You know, he's right. such a bad character. And yet, yeah. <laughs> you feel a little bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a wonderful um, way to connect with your kids and to have something to talk about. I love that. Yeah. So much. Do you still read aloud as a family? Or is it more passing books back and forth? You know, my youngest who is very cuddly um, still, we probably read out loud to him the longest. Um, Of course, Harry Potter. We've read through that entire series with each child, and it never got old. It was Mm -hmm. wonderful three times through. Um, So I want to say probably until he was about 10 were we still reading out loud. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so... I mean... I just think to share that love and exactly like you said, like the amazing possibilities it opens in terms of having conversations with your kids. Because I feel like so many people, they get to that middle school age Mm -hmm. and it's like they won't talk to me. Mm -hmm. They won't. And maybe just thinking about like instead of having them engage on your level to engage on their level, just starting from that place. Mm Um, is so important and I often have parents come to me as the teen librarian and say you know is this book appropriate for Mm -hmm. my kid and unfortunately my blanket response is always I can't make that decision Um, I really encourage you if this is something your kid is passionate about reading you read it first and then use it as a jumping off point for discussion and I feel like so few people actually do that and I recognize that Life is busy and life is hard sure. and there are only so many hours in the day. But um, I just, I think that that it's possible. Even, 
maybe not every book that they read, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, but like sure. when your your child is so passionate about something, recognizing that passion and responding by engaging in that passion is a big deal. And it sounds like it do, it goes beyond books for you. It, mm-hmm. it goes to the to the anime, it goes to the movies and the TV shows and yes. all of that that they're passionate about too. Um, Any way to connect with them, I felt always is is a good thing. Yeah. And I just want to say I can't take full credit for this idea because it was actually my husband's godmother who, with her niece, she would read the same books. And she's the one who recommended Harry Potter to us. Yeah. And she said, you know, she does this, so she has something to talk about. Yeah. And it stuck with me. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that, too. I think, like, for any of us who are avid readers, we kind of become, like, book evangelists, where you read something you really love, you want somebody else to talk to about it. And having, like, sort of a a captive audience being your parents, I think, you know, as a kid, I would have loved that, to have that shared experience. So, um, you know, just, I understand um, being worried about appropriateness. Um, I'm a little bit liberal when it comes to reading because mm-hmm. for me it was just read 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 comics read newspapers read anything everything just read guys come on let's read and i would would be more in favor of them reading something that maybe is a little shocking like oh my gosh because i'm reading it too and we can talk about yeah. it yeah absolutely I have to say, too, especially with engaging small kids, one of my favorite questions is always to ask them, what are you reading? Mm-hmm. What do you love reading right now? And I feel like it's a really good starting point. And if you kind of start when kids are young with that approach, then it can carry to when they're teens mm-hmm. and um, and if they want to share those things with you, eventually they're going to want to share other things with you as well it certainly builds bridges and you know when when you're a preteen and a teenager you are longing for some sort of dangerous experiences the the adult world beckons and I feel like reading is such a wonderful way to experience things that in the real world might lead to some very serious consequences <laughs> and dangers to sort of, what's the word, like, um, where you, you're experiencing it through a safe means. Like catharsis? Not so much catharsis, but um, like vicariously. Oh, there you go. Mm. So you can experience these um, harrowing sometimes moments vicariously and... You're safe, though. You close the book and you get on with your life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, a wonderful way to lure kids towards reading, too. And I think that's why a lot of that, the age range, like, between 8 and 12, a lot of the books are adventure books. Mm-hmm. You know, they're full of dangers and facing enemies. And and I think um, a lot of YA, too, with the um, fantasy Again, it's it's just the facing down dangers and these big, crazy obstacles that in their day-to-day lives they're not getting to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I feel like 
teens feel like they're alone in the world a lot. So Mm -hmm. in books to like take away the adults and put them in a situation where they're alone is very reflective of the way that they feel. I mean, obviously it's heightened and exaggerated in this dystopian universe or, you know, in this fantasy place or, I mean, even on some sort of a road trip or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But that still that sense of finding yourself and the sense of um, finding your path and doing it feeling like you have to do it alone and what's so nice too is reading it's such a personal experience you don't have unlike going to the the movies where you're sitting among other people and you're all kind of watching this film together you're snuggled up with your book and what you are feeling and dreaming is your own and yet, because it's a book and it was written by someone outside of yourself, mm-hmm. you're not alone. Mm-hmm. So it works on the, that amazing level where you have privacy and it's very personal, but you don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally lovely. So, you know, taking that step back, you know, we've been talking about how you do that as a reader, experience that as a reader. You are also a writer. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so um, can you tell us kind of about that process for you? Sure. Well, I've always wanted to be a writer with a capital W. Like, you know, my father, of course, influenced me, and I wanted to write like Hemingway and Fitzgerald, of course. But through my life, I've... I've written a lot of things that I didn't finish because mm-hmm. I didn't feel it lived up to these very high expectations placed on me by others and then adopted as my own. And only recently have I started to relax and give myself permission to write for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a few short pieces published, um, one short story in Youth Imagination titled The New Girl in Town, which was kind of Mm Buffy-esque, sort of um, supernatural, fun fantasy. I've had a couple more serious flash fiction pieces published in Page and Spine and um, Specklet that are getting a little more personal, and they they edge closer to literary rather than genre. And I'm finding recently that I'm, I'm cracking open some more personal memories that are a little touchier yeah. that I'm starting to explore and put into words. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's it's a lifelong dream to yeah. be a writer. I've done NaNoWriteMo, National yeah. Novel Writing <laughs> Month, several times. Yeah. I have one, so under the right circumstances, I can put out 50,000 words in a month, but yeah. it's, it's getting to sit down every day when yes. you're not under that uh, inspiration to get it down that's really challenging Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's not easy (laughs) no (laughs) so I I certainly uh, like to do more Um, and I know I will and I'm traversing some delicate country here in my past and I'm looking for catharsis Mm -hmm. and to express these things that maybe I've been afraid to look at yeah so writing can really do that and I encourage anyone to journal, you know, write your, your feelings down. It doesn't have to be anything formal or perfect. It can be silly, 
just get those thoughts and feelings down. It is very helpful, um, especially if you're feeling alone. You know, putting the words down makes you feel less alone. Do you think that writing helps or makes it harder for you to explore those memories or experiences for you? I think getting the courage up to look honestly at some of the things in my past has been the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. I think getting the words down, once they're down, it's a relief. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you look at it and you're like, is this any good? Yeah. <laughs> Does this make sense? <laughs> is this even a story? What, yeah. What's happening here? Mm-hmm. But, no, the process of, of actually typing, getting the words down, when that's flowing, that is a wonderful feeling. Yeah. It That is just so much relief. And, and you feel good and you feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. It just puts a different light on the entire day when you can sit back and say, well, I got 500 words down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the nagging feeling like, oh, I haven't written that, yeah. not a single word The blinking today. cursor. <laughs> yes. I think that's very interesting. I'm not a writer. I mean, not in, in that way. But it's very interesting to hear people's process, for sure. And I think that, again, it, it can be translated to a like greater thought of, like, sometimes things are hard to do. And you just have to do them. Yes. And sometimes you can step back and be like, I'm really proud of this thing that I did. And sometimes you step away and you're like, well, at least I did that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even if no one ever sees it, mm-hmm. getting it down, it, it is an accomplishment. Don't kid yourself. Putting those words down, even if you're the only eyes that will ever see it, that's still something. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, So we talked about um, books that you've loved and books that you've shared with your kids and your to-be-read pile. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you add to that to-be-read pile? I'm guessing yours is probably a little more unique than the average person's um, experience with that. (laughs) Well, there's. um, I peruse the Internet looking for... The premises posted out there. Sometimes it's word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's just classics that I'm like, boy, I should have read this. Why haven't I read this yet? Okay, when you're talking about classics like that, Mm -hmm. what is the first thing that pops to mind for you right now? Um, Like Anna Karenina. Mm -hmm. Um, A few years ago, I cracked open the Brothers Karamazov, Mm -hmm. and it was like nothing I expected. Yeah. It was crazy and yes. so much fun. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea Russian literature is so much fun. Yeah. And very... It's certainly not the way people think about <laughs> Russian literature. <laughs> Boy, those characters, yeah. those brothers. I mean, you could do a drinking game with just like every time they say their name differently. Yes. <laughs> I have... Take a drink. Yeah, we were talking about this because we both recently yes. read, I don't know if you've read um, The Bear and the, the, the Nightingale. No, I haven't. Um, well, you're just, you're set. <laughs> It's yeah, be great. Yeah. yeah, because like everybody has twelve names. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also and I'm also watching the Americans. Have you all no. watched no, that? I know of it. Um, it's so uh, the premise is that um, it's the 80s and there are Russian spies 
in America no. that have uh, it's, it's very timely um, that basically they've assimilated in a way where you have no idea that they're Russian spies mm-hmm. but at night you know they're they're whatever and um, so a fair amount of it is in Russian and it's the same thing like they all have 12 names <laughs> and I'm like I think I know who this is but last time you called him something totally different yes. Um, yes. and so like yeah, so that's, that was the learning curve for sure. But it's like me and war books. Oh, I even though I'm reading, I'm like everybody looks the same because they're all described like they all have the sh- the crew cuts. They're all wearing the same outfit. <laughs> yeah, um, and then like they, it's the same. Like they have their name, and then they have like their platoon nickname, and then they have their last name that like the officers call them. And I just have trouble following war novels because yeah. of the same. Like, clearly, I just need everybody to have one name and stick <laughs> with it. And the rankings, if you don't, oh, yeah. if you're not familiar with that, you don't know who's in charge of who. Exactly. Who's yelling at who. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Um, so I'm running into that with the Discworld books. Have you read those? Oh yes. So I'm all watching the 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 Night Watch books. Okay, like, Sergeant. <laughs> I don't know. And those are just a complex and that's web just, of, <laughs> oh, of those who knows are so what Discworldiness. Yes. But no, there's some. Um, Multiple sources. I, I'm on Goodreads a lot. Mm-hmm. I love that site. Um, of course, I work in a library. <laughs> yeah, and the Which nature of your job is that pretty much every adult fiction title comes through your hands yes. if it goes on the shelf of the library, right? Yes. I, I, I get to see everything now. I'm, I'm recently also working in acquisitions, which um, now I, I unbox the books, so Ooh. they're right off. They're fresh. <laughs> it's like Christmas <laughs> every day. So crisp and new. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm seeing these titles and the new releases, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, and you know, you have to be careful because the Goodreads app has a scan where you can just scan yep. that ISBN and it goes right into your <laughs> to be read, to be read. Yeah. So um, from the books themselves, from lists, from friends' recommendations, certainly. Um, and then from the backlog thinking, oh, man, I recently read Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. I never read that. And it was oh. amazing. Same thing with The Outsiders. So many people yep. read Catcher in the Rye as an adult and they're like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like if you hit it in that sweet spot yeah. of like 16, 17, mm-hmm. it's like, this book speaks to me so profoundly. <laughs> oh my God. That, well, if my son read it, he's yes. like, Mom, you say you're a reader. Why haven't you read this? <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm reader lady. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm So ashamed. much judgment. <laughs> So you have the huge to do to, to read pile. You have your good reads list. You have your books mm-hmm. that come into the library. You have all of this. Can you put words to why you choose the next book that you choose? A lot of times it's just what I'm in the mood for. Sometimes I want something spooky and atmospheric and you know, of course, during the autumn, I love reading mm-hmm. horror books during the autumn. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I'm checking. I'm checking. Nope. <laughs> um, sometimes I, I've just recently got into mystery. It's funny. When I was a kid, I read every Nancy Drew book. Mm-hmm. And then as an adult, I really wasn't reading mystery. Mm-hmm. And I found it a really cute um, series. And I can't think of the name right now. But it's set like in the the twenties and thirties, and it's um, so cute and fluffy. And I, 
I can tell the author is just like in love with the main character's husband. <laughs> Based on oh. how she describes him. <laughs> Which she created. So mm-hmm. good. Right. Great. And I almost read it just to see her descriptions of this man whenever he comes in the room. <laughs> Um, oh but so it's all based well, on. If you think movie. of it, let us know and we'll add it to the show notes. Yes. Um, or if it comes to you in conversation. Murder in the Brightwell. You, you, you recommended it in November. Yes. November. Yes. Okay. That's it. So mm-hmm. go back, listen yes. to the adult fiction November yep. episode. It'll mm-hmm. be there. Or just go look at the show notes. So, yeah, based on just my mood, sometimes I'm, I'm looking for something heavy and. and just like with movies, you know, oh God, I watched Manchester by the Sea twice, and it made me ball each time, but I wanted that. I wanted mm-hmm. that experience to feel that. So same with books. Excellent. What are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading An American Tragedy by Theodore Dreiser. I saw the film, um, A Place in the Sun, with um, Montgomery Clift and uh, Elizabeth Taylor. It's a fantastic film. Um, I've been teased at home by my children saying, if you've seen the movie, Mom, why are you reading the book? And I just say the the books bring so much more. And because I enjoyed the film so much, I want to read the story. And that one happens to be based on a true event that happened um, in, I want to say, the turn of the century in America. So it's a little bit old-fashioned where... Like, let me tell you a story type of narration. <laughs> yeah. So there's always a bit of a curve. You you never know with an author, a new author, what kind of um, voice they're going to have. Right. And so the older books, some of them are, are kind of like, they're going to tell you a story. Yeah. There's, the, there's definitely different, there's eras where there's a certain kind of narration that comes out. Um, like I like to read books from the 20s for that reason, because mm-hmm. it's very like... You know, adventure like the the nineteen thirties Errol Flynn, Robin Hood, and stuff like that, where there's sort of this grandiose, adventurous voice that I like. I love Errol Flynn. Um, but then you get like into the eighteen hundreds, and it's more like conversational sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a different when you go back and start reading other older titles. There's yes. sort of a voice of that time that I think stands out. Yes, you would like Euphoria. It's set in the 30s in the jungle, oh. and it's it's kind of a love triangle, and the main uh, female character is bisexual, which mm-hmm. is wonderful to see, and uh, it involves uh, like a sordid past, and she's in the jungle with these two fellas, and it's, it's a Sounds fun. <laughs> set in the 30s. <laughs> Fantastic. So... Um, were you a library goer as a child? Yes. 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 Do you have a memory of your first time that you um, you went to the library or the first book you checked out or when you got <laughs> your first library card or like just what what is the first library experience that stands out to you? My childhood is like something out of Dickens. <laughs> Let me preface it with that. I grew up in the city, very poor. I'm one of six kids. And my earliest childhood memory of the library is this amazing Chicago Public Library um, building that's imposing and magnificent. And all the things in there, all the things that are beautiful and shiny, all the books, something out of my hands. And so my earliest memory is my older brother getting us kicked out because he was causing trouble. And I was so mad at him. 
because the librarian threw us out and said we could never come back again. <gasps> and I took her seriously. Really? Oh. Yes. I could have killed him. He so was, you never went back? I was afraid to. Yeah. Until I was probably, what, 14 when we moved to the south suburbs. And there was a tiny little library down the block from where we lived. And I frequented that one to make up for lost time. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so you were 14 and you went to this little library mm-hmm. once you were sure they didn't have your wanted poster up. <laughs> um, and so were you guided there? Did you seek out a librarian or were you like, no, 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 if she knows I'm here, she's going to ask me to leave. So I just have to well figure it out for myself. In the meantime, my school libraries, like... God, they do so much. Do not take for granted your school library. They were my haven. And so um, when we had moved, um, I was adjusting to life in a completely different area, and it was very foreign to me. I grew up in a very industrialized um, neighborhood with very few neighbors, more factories than, than houses. And I believe I was just taking a walk, and I saw this little building. I'm like, what is this? And it was on the edge of a park, which was so nice. You can mm-hmm. imagine. I go in, get a book, sit in the park and read. That's how yeah. I spent my afternoons in the summer. And um, it, it was just wonderful. And I, that's where I was if I wasn't in school or at home. I was at the library. Mm-hmm. And what um, were you reading at 14? At 14, oh, God, everything, anything. Um, Stephen King, Ray Bradbury. I love that man. Uh, I probably have read and reread his, his short stories. A lot of sci-fi. Definitely perusing the adult novels, you know. But more when I was a teenager, the fantasy sci-fi was calling to me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What about it was calling to you? I think... It's the premise of these other places, Mm -hmm. these other worlds. Maybe not always a better place, but someplace different. Mm -hmm. Just different. It's the escaping that you were talking about before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly that's kind of the foundation for your reading then, is that? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Where do you fall in place in the six kids? I'm right in the middle. Okay. I have an older sister who has Down syndrome. And she's dependent on my parents. Mm -hmm. I have two older brothers and then a younger sister and a younger brother. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I have a second mama. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And still am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with us today, book-wise or library-wise or anything like that? Just, um, I'm a very strong believer in the need for libraries. We need libraries. Um, People need access, and libraries need to be a neutral place, a safe space where everyone and anyone can come in and escape or relax or learn. And let your kids read. Let them read and read with them if you can. You don't have to like everything they read. Mm In fact, that might make for a more interesting discussion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But don't be afraid of books. They sometimes may seem too real, but it is fiction, and you are safe. And it's a wonderful bridge between you and your kids. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it's a lifelong path. That's awesome. So we always give our guests an opportunity, because we're 
book lovers <laughs> to share um, a favorite bookish quotation. And I understand that you had one that you would like to share with us. I went through a lot of quotes. <laughs> Because there's a lot that I we make you make I really hard say. choices on this podcast. True. It's true. I was feeling for the such a like general like yeah yeah. We're like three it's, books, one quote. Yes, high stakes, high stakes. Well, it means so much, so many different yeah. things. So it's hard. But one jumped out at me that I'm like, you know, this is me every day, and so I'd like to share Kathleen Norris. Just the knowledge that a good book is awaiting one at the end of a long day makes that day happier. Mm. And boy, is that true. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, Brenda, thank, thank you. you so very much for coming and chatting with us today. My pleasure. Um, we really appreciate it. So today, Brenda talked about... Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson. Um, the Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar. Oh, how do you pronounce that, Brenda? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Juno Diaz. Biting the Sun by Tanith Lee. And a lot of other great titles. <laughs> yes. And we'll make sure that we get all of those in our show notes. So make sure that you, you check those out. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you again next month when we discuss three more books and probably some more. <laughs> Asterisk. That's how we do. Uh, absolutely. That will be great. <laughs> You've been listening to Three Books, an ELA Area Public Library podcast. Engineered by David Olson and produced by us. Our theme music is provided by Lache Swing. Write to us at Three Books Podcast. That's three spelled out T H R E E Books Podcast at gmail.com and tell us what you're reading. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like us, we would love you to share a review so other people can find us. And um, go ahead and tell a friend. Mm-hmm. And also stop by ELA Library or your own public library to request a book, a copy of the books that you heard about today. Um, you can find the titles we've discussed as well as links to the library's catalog at eapl.org slash three spelled out books. Um, we now have a special collection of our three book titles that are available to browse in our fiction collection at ELO Library. So we're very excited, we're very about, excited that. about that. It has a, our logo on the spine so you can see it. So check that out if you're in the area. Thanks. If not, insist that your library start at three books. <laughs> it's the only option. Um, I'm Becca Boland. And I'm Kristen Weiser. Three later.